Welcome to Growth Decoder, a podcast proudly brought to you by Canadian Western Bank. I'm your host, Mafuz Chowdhury. We're going to meet businesses with a variety of different backgrounds to unpack the challenges and successes that go hand in hand with growth and find out how they got to where they are today. Sharp Trucking was founded in 2011 by cousins Mark Craddock and Brett Herniak. Craddock was a third generation in his family to work in the trucking industry, and he decided to go out on his own to see what he could build. They started out by servicing the oil patch and then got into the explosives industry. It didn't take long before Craddock and Herniak were competing with billion-dollar trucking companies. But then tragedy struck. Mark Craddock, the 36-year-old CEO, died in a car accident in May 2020. Matthew Halstead is the president of Sharp Trucking. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'd love to start with the state of the company before you joined the team. This was a tragic story, especially for how much the family values meant to the company. As I was reading about it on the website, it seems like it was a big core of what this company was about. Can you talk a little bit about what impact Mark's death had on Sharp Trucking? Sure. The business has always been growing and the business was also in transition. It was a traditional oil field services company and had not been that long into servicing the explosives and dynamite industry. We just opened up a second facility in Sparwood, BC. It was just up off the ground and all things were headed in the right direction. The company was doing well. The company was growing, was setting new financial targets, operational targets, the truck count and in the trucking industry, that's always a benchmark that you look for, had been going. And then this very untimely death of Mark Craddock. With Mark being the leader of the organization in the past years, who stepped in after and came in and what did that positioning look like? So Mark and his cousin Brett were very active in the business and were a really good complementary one-two punch, uh, Mark on the operations and Brett on the business development or what we call the offensive side of the business. And immediately following Mark's death, Brett took on a far more aggressive role looking at all aspects of the business much, much deeper than just the business development side. The business had to continue. There was a payroll to be met. There were customers to be serviced. There was a return on investment that Brett is now the primary shareholder, uh, was looking to continue to build and opportunity. Mm. So it was life goes on, very tragic event, but we'll continue to build and keep trucking, as they say. You mentioned that Mark and Brett both delved into the explosive industries before Mark passed away. Can you tell me a little bit about how that shaped where the company was before you joined and maybe some observations that you made as you started taking a look at this company? When I joined, the company was in transition, had recently gotten into the explosives market. It was an opportunity that was presented to Sharp, like Sharp did then and does now, pushed mm-hmm. all, all the chips went in right. and said, we're going to do this, and just continued to do a lot of things really, really well. And our cornerstones have always been do it very safely, do it very professionally, and be very reliable. And meeting those three legs of the stool, I guess, on current service and on growth target It just put us in a position where the customers and the industry continued to hear good things about Sharp, and we continued to grow as a result. Mm. And it was very evident that taking very calculated risks was a big part of the decision-making that took place, not only in the early years, but even now. Yeah, so Brett, and by extension myself, as entrepreneurs, I mean, the definition of an entrepreneur is a risk-taker. Trucking is a risky business, but as I say here today and internally, almost every day in our company, we're in the business of calculated risk and strategic risk. We're not reckless in what we do. Right. We're certainly not irresponsible in what we do it. 
It's a very serious business. We travel in remote locations, off traditional paved highways. Our drivers and our operations group deal with extreme isolation based on where a mine is. Because of that, you know, cliches aside, it's absolutely safety first. Right. It can't be a cornerstone value for your company if reckless is a terminology that gets thrown around. And I think you've really been delivering on the promise for many, many years. I'd love to get the chapter on when you joined the company. How did you and Brett cross paths and what did it look like for someone that was joining what was already a substantial company and how did you make your way into the business? Sure. So I'm not from Edmonton, but I say all the time, it's the smallest city of a million people I've, mm. I've ever lived in. Brett and I had a mutual colleague. She was doing some consulting for Sharp. Uh, her name is April Shand. April reached out to me and said, I think we should talk. There's this really good opportunity with this trucking company that's doing some really exciting things. And, and she shared the backstory with Mark and said, you know, they've hit a bit of a, a speed bump here and continue to looking to grow. And she said, from what you know, what I know about Brett and what I know about you, I think you two would really connect in both the way you see the world and the way you'd want to build a business. And this was in 2020. This was pre-vaccines. I had COVID. I was COVID positive at the time. So we had a virtual introduction by way of April for about six weeks, we spoke in some cases three, maybe four times a day and went back and forth. We spoke business and the philosophy of business and the strategy of business and the people of business, the safety of business. And it was very clear from the very beginning, there was nothing about this role that was going to be custodial. We're not mm. looking to hold this business as it is or hold market share. Make no mistake, we've been growing and we're going to continue to grow. And this is what we want to talk to you about. Short story, that's how Brett and I got talking. Yeah, I really believe there's a lot of key insights in that story that you just shared with you and Brett instantly connecting and having a lot of commonalities. For a lot of listeners, they may be in a stage where they're trying to assess who to bring onto their team, or they may be about to join a team and they're not sure if it's the right fit. Can you go a little bit deeper on the connection that you saw with Brett and how and why you felt like you both could work together on such a big mission? Well, sure. And I think it does start with everyone will talk about respect, but I think before respect, there's got to be that degree of trust. And there was mutual trust and mutual respect very, very early on. We're not that different in age. We both have a sports background. So there was a couple of boxes that were checked pretty quickly. Mm. April's background is HR. So she's got that real sense of smell for good chemistry between people. And as I said, from what she knew about me and, and what she knew about Brett, she thought that was there. And the more we spoke, it was aligned. and Just felt and, right. Yeah. And when we really started to dig deep into the business, it really was about the people and the team. Good, good core foundation of a company that was there when I got there and are still there. I, I think there's a temptation, someone you knew in a leadership role coming to an organization, there is a temptation to say, we're going to change this. We're going to change that. Right. You're struggling here and I can do this better. This situation was a little unique because of the timing of Mark and somebody new coming in. I didn't want this idea or perception that I was trying to replace Mark, but fill a need and continue growing the business. And when I say that, really what I'm trying to say is that I wanted to identify the things that we're doing really, really well. And for the first six months, let's just do more of that. Let's focus on those things that are really strong about Sharp. The areas where there might be a little bit of struggle, whether it's uh, some of it was equipment utilization, a little bit of how we administered our financing in the shop, we'll get there. All mm -hmm. that stuff will come in due time. Let's focus on those things that we're doing really well. It was definitely a unique situation by pulling from both extremes, right? Being able to come in as someone that needs to continue driving growth 
while at the same time that respect around a company that might be grieving at the moment. I think it was a very interesting way for you to come in. What was the role that you had when you first entered and what would you say was the first major change that you might have made in the company? And if not a major change, maybe a major strategy that you implemented. Uh, I came in as the role of general manager and oversight for operations, finance, maintenance, HR, all elements that encompass the full business. A lot of the principles that were in place were based on when the company was 18 trucks. I joined at the time when uh, we were 26. We're now close to 60. What I wanted to make sure was as we bring on more trucks and more drivers, that the, the focus was the internal infrastructure that supports it, the HR that supports it, the finance that supports it, most importantly, the safety that supports it. When you're 18 trucks and you're a small to medium-sized business, you can do a lot of things out of a spiral notebook and you can do it ad hoc and, right. and spontaneously. And now it was our policy, our process, our structure, our internal mechanisms had to support that growth. In the big scheme of things, those in the trucking community might chuckle a little when I say this, but in the big scheme of things, I can go out and buy trucks and get drivers tomorrow. Both mm. are really hard right now. But right. once you get past that, that's actually quite easy. You get those trucks on the road and, and you're hauling freight. It is all that army of support that keeps those trucks safely on the road and profitably on the road that really is what allows you to continue to grow and not kind of collapse within yourself. It seems like a lot of it was around building good systems, right? And the system that allows you to continuously bring on people, onboard them in the best ways and really get them embedded in your company values. Systems and people. I am a generalist in our industry. I am not the most knowledgeable on the financial side. That's why we have a vice president of finance. I am not the most knowledgeable on the maintenance and repair side or even on the operation side or even on the business development side. I do a very good job at bringing them together and connecting them. But most importantly, once they've got their marching orders for the day, the week, the month, the quarter, what I do really well is get out of their way and right. they, do, they just do really good work. Right. It was once described to me from a friend that is a massive basketball fan when he talks about the goal of a coach, not trying to play as good as the players, but giving them the best guidance and then getting the heck out of their way so they could play their best game. Yeah. I think it's a great mindset and a really big testament to your humility of how you function and operate the business. And we're small. In the big scheme of things, we service a billion-dollar mining industry. We compete with billion-dollar trucking companies for similar work. We deal with large vendors such as Kenworth. And if I had an ego, it would be put in check awfully quick with companies that size. We work with companies. They've got 32 vice presidents and 25 directors of whatever. Our shareholders and our stakeholders count right. on one hand. We have an opportunity put in front of us. We will caucus as a group, knock it around. We take an informal cooling off period of about 36 hours. We all kind of look each other. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go execute. Yeah, and that's, that's great. Whether you need expert advice or specialized financial services for your business banking, personal banking, or wealth management, CWB has everything you need. They take the time to form relationships, ask the right questions, and understand your industry so you get the right financial solutions. CWB works hard to not just be productive for your business, but also proactive for your business. Learn more at CWBank.com. Matthew, I want to shift into another very unique situation that you've been put in, which was when Sharp Trucking experienced a snowplow accident after you came on board. 
Can you comment a little bit about exactly what happened and more so how it impacted the business? Sure. It's the timing of this is interesting. As, as you know, I just flew in from Dallas. Our largest customer had their national carrier safety convention. And I spoke about this and presented the video. And uh, the background is this. We had a driver coming home. He was at the end of shift, end of cycle in the Grand Prairie area. So that's about five hours north of Edmonton. The focus by the driver and our operations group was get the truck home. Uh, he was driving through not bad weather, but not great weather. A bit of a, what we call a snow cloud had been created on the highway. And through the video, you can see the driver accelerate into the snow cloud, which is in fact the opposite right. of what you're supposed to do. And then when the video, the dash video shows up, you just see these flashing lights. And a second later, there's impact. Gosh. And, there's, and the good news for everybody, both drivers of the snowplow and our driver walked away from, from the incident. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it changed us monumentally. And the reason being is we had been paying our drivers what's called a, a rate pay or a mileage pay. So we changed that to an hourly pay to change mindset and to change focus that whether I'm driving across town or I'm driving loaded out to deliver or driving empty coming back, my rate of pay doesn't change and I can focus on my task and not calculating earnings on a particular mm. load or a particular run. And it happens and not unique to drivers, one that can be a distraction and, and distracted driving, not just on handheld technology is one that we try to manage as best we can. So we changed our pay structure. We changed the way that we dispatch and what we call journey route management, meaning we have full understanding of where that truck, what it's doing and what that driver is doing on any particular day or hour on his load. That's very interesting. We changed our GPS tracking platform, and it was one that gave us much more detail and depth on reporting on everything from stability of the truck, hard brake, hard turn. It changed our retention numbers on our drivers. We had a turnover rate that was higher than 10%. Now we're below 5%. And in the Alberta market, mm. it's fantastic. And it's, it's stability for us. It's stability for our customers. It changed our company at the time, and it continues to change our company. We saw a reduction in our insurance. We saw a reduction in WCV workman compensation claims. And again, our, our retention numbers. This change to hourly wage continues to provide return and, and dividend. It's an incredible response to what could have been a really tragic moment, but fortunately everyone's doing okay. Can you walk me through a little bit of the thought process that went through all those changes? Because it seems like a lot of changes were made and you're seeing the end of that story with positive output. Can you talk a little bit about how you went in and discovered that those were the changes to make? Well, yeah. So what we wanted to do was have a greater sense of control. As I said at one point a little bit earlier there, that the driver was focused on his work, not on what his earnings were on a day. So that gets alleviated very quickly when we convert to a what we call an hourly rate. Some of the obstacles that came with it, uh, internally we had discussion that said, well, there will be abuse. And will we end up eroding the profitability? And not to talk semantics, but we had to change that mindset very quickly. It's an investment. And right. if it costs a little bit more, we're okay with that. And I see it every day in our business. And the safest trucking companies are the most profitable. And we will be the safest. We had operations people that didn't necessarily agree with it. We did have some drivers that didn't necessarily agree, not on the hourly wage, but what we were trying to do on a safety standpoint, hours of service, maintenance, record keeping. There was a little bit of pushback and I was still at the point, the new guy that was trying to change things, but I'm more than prepared to stand back and say, based on where we are in growth and increased market share, which is, of course, is huge. Let, let the numbers do the talking. It's very interesting to hear you not just talk about how big safety is as a mindset, but 
how you're being executed throughout the business. I can imagine that probably every company in your industry would talk about safety as being a key metric or a key indicator of success, but you're really delivering on that. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays out in more ways than just these procedures that you put in place? Yeah. So the biggest challenge that we have in our business is the changing conditions. The weather in Alberta changes very, very quickly. In summer, we go from almost 20 hours of daylight at peak summer to winter. We travel to the far north. We're in the Arctic and we can have four to six hours of daylight. We travel in bulk commodities, meaning there's product that sloshes in a tank. So how the driver operates his equipment loaded as opposed to how he operates that equipment empty on the way back. We don't travel on traditional roads where it's a flat highway um, between Calgary and Edmonton or Toronto and Montreal. We travel into the mountains and we travel what's called mine halls or mine roads and they're radio controlled roads. Our drivers quite frequently have to pull out and put tire chains on because of conditions of, of the mine roads. Because our conditions on a micro or a daily change, we as a business have to be prepared to change our philosophy pretty regularly. And we blow up bridges behind us because what solved our problems yesterday may not necessarily solve sure. our problems tomorrow. And, and there's a quote that says, uh, in business, turbulence isn't the issue. It's looking to address that issue with yesterday's logic. And it, it's a great expression. And it's one that, that really carries through. And I steal from it daily. If I had to pull out characteristics as a leader that you are in your industry, um, that quote and the, the story you just exchanged with me, one of them that comes out right away is just your ability to stay adaptable and being able to adjust based on circumstances. Um, would you agree with that? And are there other characteristics that you think allows you to operate in the level that you do? Sure. Yeah. Brett's always had a great line and, and I steal from him pretty regularly as well. And his is, there's no finish line. There's no finish line on what we need to do to be safe. There's no finish line on what we need to do to meet the needs of our, of our staff, our drivers, our, our operations, our mechanics. There's no finish line on service. And tomorrow, our customer is going to throw, we could call it a problem or a challenge, but it really is an opportunity to be further invested with our customers. And there is no finish line to meeting those needs. And I go back to our size a, a little bit. We're flirting with just about 100 people at this point. And we can move and we can move quickly. And as I opened up with earlier, we don't do it recklessly and we're strategic about it, but we can move quickly. And that's what puts us in a position to compete with companies that are 32 yeah. vice presidents and 20. And don't get me wrong, our trucking community needs companies that size. Right. They have a real place in the marketplace. I'm just glad it's theirs and, mm. and not ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. And you mentioned this is your fourth time opening up about the, the snowplow incident. And it sounds to me like you're also heavily invested in educating people based on your learnings. What are these other three and what is the goal of sharing this story with others? Sure. So it's been shared on two separate occasions with our primary customer, which is Orica. And we've also shared it with our insurance company and they have shared it internally. There, there was a time in trucking where it was my problems are my problems and your problems are your problems. And, but it is a community. It is one where we travel the same roads and, and my family is on that road, as is yours and everyone else. The safer we are and the better we can make our industry and the roads safer as, as a whole, happy to share. Matthew, I want to thank you so much for your time and for sharing the story of a very difficult transition and 
a legacy that needed to be kept and continued growing with it ahead of time. Can you talk a little bit about what's next for Sharp Trucking? You put in place a model that's working really well. You talked a little bit about the growth opportunities that could happen as fast as you wanted to, but you're doing it very calculated. Can you talk about what we could anticipate coming up next? So it wasn't so long ago, we were in Sparwood, BC, and we we went down there. We were servicing with six trucks. We've now more than doubled our truck count down there, and uh, revenue and profitability continues to follow truck counts. We're very pleased there. So we're going to more than double here. I will talk about the opportunity, but it's important to talk about those results too, because we continue to do these things really well and grow at the same time. If we were just going to hold status quo and try to maintain those numbers, that in itself would be a challenge. Right. But what we've done and continued to almost double in size is pretty significant and really uh, an acknowledgement to our operations group and our safety people and, and our finance group. What's next for Sharp? We've expanded our offerings within the explosives community. We now haul liquid dynamite. We haul Prill, which is a dry tablet. We haul packaged dynamite. We have some expansion coming our way in the market. The other next big opportunity for us is where we continue to grow in the industrial market, which was some of that traditional oil field services that got Sharp up and running as an entity. That part of our business continues to grow by leaps and bounds as well. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing a part of you and the side of your business that maybe others don't get to see. It is greatly appreciated. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The conversation with Matthew was not only inspiring, but it gave us a lot of key takeaways to think about. Some of my favorite takeaways from the day was number one, the willingness to be adaptable, especially in difficult situations, and then taking action. This was very evident when Matthew shared the story about the snowplowing incident and how he was able to adapt by changing company procedures and put them into action to produce fantastic results. Secondly, I loved his ability to build trust with his team. He was put in a very unique situation. It wasn't easy to be accepted as someone new taking on an ongoing legacy, but he found a way to slowly work his way in build trust with the team members, and also trust that their talent could get the job done, which often result in him, more often than not, just getting out of the way and letting them do what they do best. And finally, proven disruption. Being able to go in the space with the mindset that you can change things and make things better. And although you may initially receive a lot of negative feedback and pushbacks, by believing your gut and going there with the mindset that you can make better changes, proven disruption with the emphasis on proven has produced a lot of positive output that delivered on the promise that Matthew has made. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Growth Decoder. You can also visit www.cwbank.com slash podcast for videos and a story about Sharp Trucking, as well as the other businesses featured on Growth Decoder. I'm your host, Mafuz Chowdhury. Thanks for listening. Growth Decoder is brought to you by Canadian Western Bank with production by Strategic Content Labs.